What the fuck is self Clark? Hello, hello, this is Baron Vaughn. Welcome to The Sound of Me. <laughs> and The Sound of Me is delightfully annoyed at myself. That means that you are listening to self Quar. Hello, Quar stars. I don't, I don't have a name for, for you. You, the listener. I don't have a name for you, my fan base. If you exist, um... Of course, I doubt that you exist because I doubt that I exist. That's where I have to be. I have to escape from this fucking, you know, body all the time. So I'm like, am I here? Oh, damn, I am. Uh, so even just hearing my own voice right now talking, I'm like, Who, who's talking? <laughs> it turns out it's me. That's right. Self-quar. In a tornadic black hole of emotion, you have found yourself welcome you have entered a realm, a realm of obsessive self-hatred. A door at the end of the corridor opens. Inside, you find a railway. In the middle of the railway is a stake. The stake has a sign. The sign reads, self choir What the hell am I talking about? Anyway, guys, welcome. <laughs> I am um, just kind of going to do a stream of consciousness thing, if you can't tell. Usually, I would delete this shit um, because this is what I consider me warming up to trying to say all the things that I want to say. I don't even send this to my producer MC DJ Jake Bowman. Say what's up Jake. Hi. Is it Bowman or Bowman? The following pronunciation is brought to you by pronouncenames.com Bowman. Anyway this episode is going to be a very good and a very long episode. There is no Katrina. I'm very sorry for the Katrina heads out there. The Trinies. <laughs> um, and I also apologize for the fact that this should have came out last week. Guys, the world's a mess, as you might know. And I just, uh, I've been in my head a lot lately. Um, which is not helpful because I should be in my body. And instead, I suck every fucking nerve ending, every damn sensation I can feel in my entire body up into my head so that way I get to act like I don't exist just for one second, just for one sweet, sweet second of, of sweet rest. Of course, that's not what happens. That's what I think will happen. I fantasize about rest. I fantasize about this mythological uh, full night's sleep, this mythological great meal or perfect workout that I'll just magically start to do. I have that difficulty, which is uh, starting things. Everything, I don't know if you've heard this, Everything that you've ever had to do, I don't know if you've heard this, everything that's ever happened started. I know. It's fucking out there. It's cuckoo banana town. And I'm sorry to have to break it down like that for you, the listener. Everything started at some point. Someone was like, I think I'm gonna, and that's how. That's how change <laughs> happens. Now, that's the exact thing that I have a problem with. When it comes to me, others, 
that's where I excel. When I am focusing on changing others or the world around me. Um, mm, 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 infinite time. Infinite time. But when it comes uh, to me and my own um, inner demons, rather than try to change uh, myself, I... I go back inside and I realize that the demons have built themselves a fucking soccer field and uh, have recruited 11 other demons to be the other team. I just happen to know how many people are on a soccer team because uh, my child is obsessed with a show um, called Number Blocks. I'm so happy the show exists. He's obsessed with numbers. <laughs> And uh, the songs are quite clever. Anyway, the number 11 is obsessed with soccer. So his whole song is about soccer, which I call football when I play it with my son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm that dude. I know it's called soccer, but then I'm like, but the rest of the world calls it football, and it's the most popular sport. And I'm just so uh, contrarian for no reason about this particular thing. I, I'll call it both. He'll be he'll be a football soccer fanatic. I don't even know if I like soccer. Anyway, point is that um, I've just been struggling. There's no other way to say it. I hate to say it too, because I know that you're probably struggling, and I know that sometimes I feel like you know people go like, "Oh, then you know that you're not alone." And I guess that usually brings comfort to most people. And I guess if I thought about it that way, it would bring comfort to me. But instead I go, well, I'm not the only one struggling. How dare I fucking think I am unique? I find some way to punish myself, ultimately. It's my truest talent. You know... I've waited until, you know, the last fucking minute to get this podcast out. And this podcast is supposed to be fun. That's the whole reason I want to do this podcast is because I like talking to people. and I like talking to interesting people. And it's fun for me to hear what people do and how they think and how they feel and how they process information and all that shit. That is fun, but then this part where I have to put it together and get it out there in a time that is convenient for you, then I turn this podcast into a cat of nine tails that I may a culpa the fuck out my left eyeball with. That's what I do. I find some way to turn this into an F on the paper I wrote called Life. Should have known I was going to get a bad grade when I put it on a cereal box. What the fuck am I talking about? Anyway, uh, the whole point of this is that um, I've been doing all kinds of work and been trying to be present with all that darkness. And I make it sound possibly worse than it actually is because when it comes down to it, I don't feel that bad. I guess it's that I am aspiring to feel neutral about how bad I feel. If that makes any sense. I feel like this lowness 
is compulsion. This lowness is an obsession. This lowness is this trauma body. This has nothing to do with now. Nothing to do with now. It's all shit that is gone. It's all shit that is past. And so because I feel that way, it doesn't mean that I feel that way right now. It means that I have felt that way. And because I have never addressed how I felt, then I'm going to continue to feel that way. The book has not been closed. I got a lot of open fucking books around here that just need a couple of pages read so I can close that shit. <laughs> I'm getting lost in my own metaphor. Um, the point is, is that I know that feeling bad doesn't mean that I feel bad. And I'm trying to hold space for that contradiction, I guess, that, that paradox. The fact that my current emotional state is actually the past my current emotional state has absolutely nothing to do with the current moment but the fact that I have strung myself to so many things from the past that I'm choking but that doesn't mean I actually am choking. Again, it's like one of those things where I, f I have such a hard time describing it. And, and that's okay, right? I don't have to know how to describe it right now because I don't know how to fucking feel what the fuck I'm feeling. So let me do that, and I'll come back to the descriptions. But because I'm doing that, I've been... Um, Well, that's the word I'm looking for. Because I've been doing that, I just haven't been able to keep up with other things. Man, I'm 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 skating and skirting because I don't want to get too deep into my personal life. I'm talking concepts. I'm very tired. Doesn't mean it's late. <laughs> It doesn't have to be late for me to be exhausted, I have found. I can be exhausted at the crack of dawn. At the crack of dawn. I don't even know why I say, at the crack of dawn. Who's this guy? Hey, I can be fucking super depressed at the crack of dawn. I don't even know what I'm talking, I don't even know what's happening. Guys, gals, thems, theys. <laughs> Where's that one? That's a pretty good one. Ladies, guys, gals, thems, theys. Zays. No, I got nothing. Um, everybody. Here's Ramon Rivas.
what I have learned, uh, Ramon, over the last dumbass year, uh, <laughs> that's the dumbass fucking year that we just got out of, uh, and the, you know, not to not to talk about the dumbass year we're about to go into, just the dumbass year we yeah. came out of. Um, what I, one of the things that I've learned about myself is that I really do not know how to do anything emotionally. Ah, ah, ah. That is just the truth, man. And I've always known this. When, when you say emotionally, do you mean in a crippling way or in a I'm aware of it and don't want to deal with it way? It's combinations of both, man. It's like, you know, it's like take those two things, wrap them around each other in a double helix kind of fashion. And that's because you're, you're already like an anxious dude. So I'm sure the anxiety plus uncertainty, like just is like exponential to each other. Yes, but also there's this element of having to experience, if you will, my anxiety as opposed to run from it. As opposed mm. to stack distraction upon distraction, job upon job of thing to kind of push it aside because it does affect the way that I work. Since my work, yeah. our work is so wrapped up in who we are, what we think, who we want to be, who we want to connect with, what we do and don't want to talk about, what messages we want to put out there, you know, just just the the work of thinking about what it, is it that I want to do out as an artist, as a voice, as a person with a platform, that in and of itself is already hard, right? Yeah. And so, but to ask yourself these questions, especially I think in the last year, you know, in the pandemic is to ask oneself, who am I? It really, it, mm -hmm. at least for me, it has been. And so this pandemic, unfortunately, is a mirror of some of my deepest traumatic years of my life. Like I was just inside gotcha. all the time. I was like agoraphobic as a kid in a sort of a weird way. But then also my mother was keeping me inside on, on purpose, which I did not know at the time mm -hmm. because she was scared of the neighborhood we lived in, you know. But so yeah. was I. But I still had to be in these streets. You know, that's where everyone I knew was. Yeah. Anyway, the point is that I didn't feel safe at home with her. But I didn't feel safe outside, outside either. So now I'm realizing what it, what it means to have grown up never feeling safe. Like not even Yeah, you're family. never able to relax. I've heard like... Uh... Julia Pishko, she used to be a bartender at the Entertaining Julia in Chicago. It was like oh the 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 and, Julia, the Julia of the show. Uh, okay, she, she cuts hair. She bartends. She's super dope. Uh, one night she was in L.A. and it was like me, her, and Kenny DeForest. And we're sitting there smoking, talking about like mental health and, and shit like that, just like real adult shit. And uh, she <laughs> talked about how because. She grew up with a single mother who was always, like, economically uncertain. So, like, just kind of feeling like you had to provide for this adult or be, be uh, you know, adjust your behavior so this adult is more comfortable or less stressed out. She was never the, the I forget if it's beta or theta waves, like, the frequency in your brain that, like, triggers so you can, like, relax and chill. Her mm. brain can't do that because mm. of a whole lifetime of just 
of just being on edge and anxious. So she started, she talk therapy revealed that. And then she started yes. going to like behavioral therapy where they like put the shit on your brain yes. and like hit the frequency, like just under where it would trigger oh, interesting. so that your brain starts to like get to where it can get there on its own. So they, she was doing like, oh, wow. Okay. That's pretty intense. Okay. Wow. That yeah. sounds like, that's like, that's like body work kind of shit. Right. That's like work. Yeah, it's like legitimately like, oh, you're doing work on your brain the way people do work on their bodies. Which I remember reading about Chris Rocks. Chris Rock said he goes to what, like fifth some some crazy amount of hours of therapy a week. And everyone's like, that seems excessive. He's like, no, nah, it's about how much you do, like if you were working out to like be muscular at the gym, you're gonna go that many hours. That's incredible because that's how I've been feeling about my therapies. <laughs> Because yeah. I've been, I feel like I've been like working out a lot, you know, m brain, emotionally, psychophysiologically, this whole thing. And I'm about ready yeah. to kind of, uh, I believe they call it taper off. You know, uh, you ever heard of that tapering or tapering off? I think it's called something like that, where it's like, I was heard, I read this thing about the, about Olympic athletes that, you know, they train, well, <laughs> their whole freaking lives to get to this place, right? Yeah. And then they train super hard once they know they're going. And then there's some point where they go, all right, time to actually just relax. There is a point yeah, where you have to stop training. Back up and, yeah. Well, I think it's a combination of letting it shake in, like letting your muscles adjust, yeah. letting your cells yeah. and your nervous system kind of just be like, all right, what have you done to me? Let me just click this on a little. This needs a little. Yeah, and then like see, you know, what the, see what you can do with the tools you were given in those sessions or from that, you know, that work you've done, you know, because it, it helps to like, oh, you recognize your patterns and your, your, your habits and your cycles so you can yeah. add loops before you engage in them or reflect. Or be aware, even be aware of them, where before you might have just experienced them. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it is. It's kind of like you've trained, so now forget it. Now it's about yeah. Being so in the that, I mean, it's it's, a, and that's what com comedy re reflects that truism too, because yes. like when you're at your best, you're in the moment. And you may be like you. It's like jazz, where you know what you're playing, but you can you can you can flutter around it. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I, I love that, I little, uh, that we, little jazz uh, improvisation you did right yeah. there. That was uh, it was a hell of a trumpet. Um, I remember <laughs> when we worked when we worked together in Erie, Pennsylvania. I remember feeling very. Um, kindred in spirit, in the sense of like. I feel like we both operate operated on the margins uh, of things, uh, even though there may be like respect or um, accreditation within what we're doing. It's still like mm -hmm. the traction we get within the club or the traditional infrastructure of this thing isn't what it would be if it was just based on that thing. Well, it's also and about. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, but seeing how you stayed focused on stage and like worked at what you were doing and like you felt that the crowd, they weren't there for you, but you got like just seeing your work ethic within the anxiety of this, like, all right, th this is, you know, one of the few clubs I'm going to go work. Most of it's going to be like indie DIY type of stuff or festivals 
Um, you know, just just seeing that ethic kick in was very like informative for me. Oh um, wow, that's right. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, because and I wasn't even necessarily aware of that because a club for me. This has to do with what I call my comedy adolescence. I don't know if I've talked to you about this before. But just like your real adolescence, you know, that's the time in your life where you become aware of how you present yourself, you know. So it's kind of like – and this actually relates to all this trauma shit too, you know, where it's kind of like you get to the sense of yourself – and then you start to get the sense of how your how you relate to others, aka mm-hmm. your position in the world, learning how to communicate. Position. Yeah, and learning how to communicate and negotiate and and be empathetic, you know, sympathetic, all of these things of that are the skills that we use for our life. So whatever's going on in your life in your adolescence that starts to inform how you see others and how you see how to deal with others, that shit is hard to get rid of and that for better or worse, some of it's very good and some of it is not very good. And so there's a point where you have to let go of those ideas to quote unquote grow up. So the shit that I learned in my comedy adolescence was about clubs. You know, I came up sort of in a scene and in a time where things were changing. I was always aware of the internet but I did not yeah. see comedy in the like even when I started working the road, I would look at I would look up every single damn comedy club website in the country once they had one. I was looking to see who was going around. I was looking to see the names. Oh, this person mm-hmm. keeps going. Like I could see like certain zones where certain people would kind of do this loop and then do this other loop. And then the people who did all of it, you know, so, and then all the people who featured, who opened, because I was like, that's where I'm headed. You know, at that time, that was the kind of stuff that was very important. It was to, I was trying to figure out how to feature on the road because I didn't see any other way to get into a club. You know, I was, well, I also feel like the, uh, sorry, I was gonna say the pandemic. Like that's the that's the way we're all wired pre-pandemic to yes. to to engage in comedy under like the capitalist model. So like hmm. you were okay. trying to get these clubs to give you work so you could go and it's not even great. Like featuring, you don't make any money. Like I went and featured no. for uh, Aida Rodriguez this past weekend for two reasons. The one, first reason is she's the homie. And the second She's reason dope. is uh, um, I, that club is a chain. So there's like four or five of them. Uh, so I'm like, okay, a good review, a cosign from Aida, and uh, you know my uh, credits should hopefully open the door for me getting more consideration. I'm not even saying give me work, but give me consideration. That's where my positioning is now. Yeah, you're, so you're um, strategizing like that. Because before the pandemic, like, I feel like we both worked very hard. And then once the pandemic happened and the work stopped, it's like, oh, shit, what? So what What am I doing and what am I? Because mm-hmm. uh, once mm-hmm. the work stopped, there's nothing There's nothing left. Like, there was no equity. All the work I'd done, there was no equity in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it feels, mm-hmm. it feels that All the structures collapsed. That's what's been happening, you know, just yes. all, around the, all around the world. 
And it feels that way, like, uh, emotionally, too. Does that make sense? Well, look, yes, because this has always been my read. Ever since the, quote-unquote, you know, that recession in 2008, the thing that I always felt, you know, because it was just going from Bush to Obama was a giant shift for this country. And when that recession hit, I kind of was like, because I always felt that Bush had had reawakened the sort of evangelical white supremacist id, <laughs> you know, just kind of like it. Yeah. It was kind of like, uh, wait, are we allowed to come back yet? That's that. That was the safe. That was the safe refuge that mentality found. Exactly because and and it was under Bush that the whole Fox News network sort of thing grew, right? So then when Obama was the president, what else do they have to talk about except this black guy is fucking shit up? And that uh. s- spoke straight to their base, you know, and then the fear-mongering did not stop. And now they were doing it about the president, right? So I was like there's this emotional thing that no one is addressing. And so when the when whenever there's an economic recession, there's an emotional recession because Mm-hmm. All everybody is all of our self worth is 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 wrapped up in our net worth. So when those things are threatened, people gonna do crazy shit, as we know to be true. They're gonna do crazy shit, or they're gonna be crazy stressed out and and make irrational choices and decisions. Because I can trace like you know Lorraine, where I live and grew up, uh, used mm-hmm. to be like steel yard, shipyard, auto industry. Tony Morrison's from here. Um, but I remember very specifically for generations, you could just graduate from high school, not have any passion or aspirations and get a union job. You could work at till you retired and have savings, have a retirement, pay for your kids to go to like have have a life. life. Yeah. Without ever having to try. And then like, I remember specifically when NAFTA got passed in the nineties, which is like Clinton Mm, era. Wow. All these, I remember like, I remember my dad and them like talking about it, it being a bad thing. I'm just kidding. I don't know what the fuck it is, but like seeing like then that's maybe like eight or 10 ish, like approaching middle school, like ending elementary or approaching middle school. Okay. uh, Is how, how old I felt. Um, and then Ford immediately moved their plants, the steel mill moved their plant, like the way and seeing the whole economy collapse, but Mm -hmm, still mm -hmm. having to normalize that as you grow up is a weird, like, that's what I, that's the thing I resonate most with all these kids who are like shut down for the year is like, you know. You to you go to like I went to the mall community and your actual parents collapse, and it's an energetic yeah, thing because the kids don't know, you know, logistically what's happening, but a child knows what's happening energetically. A child can sense something's mm. going on, even if they can't say what it is. And when you cannot explain it to a child, which because most people can't because they can't explain it to the motherfucking selves then that shit gone linger. But we always are trying to figure yeah. out a place to put that, you know, to attach that shit to. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, kind man. of like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, and I guess what I'm trying to say is that, like, 
even in the comedy club sort of industry, I mean, every industry is is going to be about the bottom line some most of the time. Mm-hmm. That's what it means to be an industry. But and, and we are industries unto ourselves. We, we don't look at ourselves the same way. We absolutely. don't consider our bottom line in relation to other things or other people. Well, you know, and that's a big thing that that, that I think is also a, a product of, um, I, I want to say indoctrination, but, you know, like we have been sort of fed an idea of what it means to have a job or means to have work or work ethic. Um and we've been beaten over the head with it for a long time, right? The quote-unquote American dream. Yeah. That's what it means to be woke, right? <laughs> Originally, I think. But what I'm getting all over the place. We're tangential, which is fine. Sorry. <laughs> Nothing to apologize about, ma'am. I was trying yeah. to, to tie up one of these things because I what I really want to do is because all of this stuff is is sort of leading toward me just asking you how you are because obviously this is the shit that you've been thinking about. It's the shit that I've been thinking about. So when, when, and, and, and the question, how are you is loaded as fuck today. And and it brings up all of this. This is, this has been my response to this question for several years. I'm mostly okay. I'm mostly okay. And saying that to people jars them. Cause they're like, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. I'm just, I'm mostly okay. Like I could be worse. I could be better, but I'm chill. I'm good. Like I, it's a, it's a very like, uh, accurate statement instead of being like, Oh, I'm good. Or oh, I'm fine. Or saying that thing that people expect. Yes. Like it was really noticeable in LA. Cause LA is used to this, the, the pattern of the pitter patter of a chat. Yes. Yes. How are you? I'm fine. Oh, what you been working on? I'm this. Oh, no, we've all written a script. (laughs) And so we are all auditioning every time we talk to each other. Yeah. Um, And so, like, you know, I and that's one of those things that it takes a long time to even get to that point. Because for a a while, my operating process was like, oh, no worries. Whatever's clever. Like, don't worry about. Don't feel too bad because there's always someone within a mile of you doing worse, hmm. which is a good mindset for like, you know, keeping it moving, like not get letting yourself get too down, whatever. But it also doesn't really let you acknowledge sadness or lows. Of course. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's good and bad because it just doesn't you don't get up and down. You just keep it along the middle, um, which is one of those things you do just as a protective like, oh, this is how I operate just so I can be cool. So you could just keep going, yeah. Well, let me put this to you because this is kind of what I was aiming at before about this economic, emotional recession sort of thing, right? I think that we do have this thing, one of my favorite lines from The Wire. <laughs> one of my favorite lines Love from The Wire. Wire. I just did I just did Jackie Cation's podcast and uh, my nerded out about The Wire. I just Oh, really? Really? Okay, well, then you'll the you'll... You'll appreciate this. It's one of the first times that we see who Marlo is, right? Like, what is Marlo really like? What is he like when he's alone? There's some scene where he goes into this, um, what is it? like a? It's like a quickie mart or something. And there's a security guard there. And he kind of sees the security guard looking at him. And as a test, he just starts putting shit in his pockets. And the security guard 
almost like recognizes him as like, oh shit, like I can't, I, ah. and so he leaves and the security guard follows him and there's this great scene. I always love this scene where the security guard like tries to be a man, I ain't be stepping different. Two. I, ain't I am not stepping two. two. Yes. It's like, I'm not stepping two, but I'm a man. I'm trying to do my job. Right. And you, and so Marlo says, you took that shit thing. like I wasn't even here. Like I was like, yes, exactly. And then Marlo says, see, like, you want, it's like, you want things, you think everything's one way. Now, you, you want, want everything to be, to be one, one way. way. But it's the other way. You want it to be one way, but it's the other way. Right? So that line, this is, this is kind of, I think, where I'm going with this. We as a country have this obsession with things being one way. And it's sort of in the mindset of how we think about things as a people. It's this either or sort of dynamic. It's got to be this way or the other way. It's one way or the other way. It could be this way and that way. And And it leaves no room for duality, for nuance, for all of these things that are actually very real. And sometimes things that we have to sit with to actually find out which way <laughs> is the best way, you know? And sometimes it is both ways. Sometimes it's maybe I shouldn't go either way and I should hold hands with this person. You know, it's, it's like, so the fact that every, all of this has been stripped away, you know, our industries, our economy, hell, our government, you know, the insurrection is like, that's a, Hist- I mean, I hate to say it's a historical event, but like... An a, insurrection a, of people who the system's already designed to benefit the most. But <laughs> this monster has been whipped up and whipped up for votes, you know... For since, years. For years. And I saw it happening with Bush because Bush was post-Clinton, right? So it's like mm-hmm. this... And, and Bush but had it's been evangelical happening. You thing. read a history book, it's been happening since... Washington is what happens is Hoover. Well, I, yes, but it's always like in the since the I would say my read is since the seventies. Well, basically since Reagan, you know, it's kind of like republicanism and evangelical Christianity, aka sometimes white supremacy, have been linked, right? Because there are evangelicals who are not white, but like those identities being linked and the the stories that are being sold to that group of people about why they should come and vote for me is dangerous shit. And, and a monster had been let out of the bag that um, they thought they could control because they're white (laughs) because they think they can control it and they can't. That's, and that's what we, that's one of the things I think we learned. Right. So when all of our systems betray us, and that's true for the governments and external systems, but it's also true for our emotional understanding of the world, just as, a, as an individual. Mm-hmm. Our everything, I'm, everything I've been doing to distract myself is gone. So then who am I if I don't have this shit? And that is mm-hmm. a valuable, scary, but valuable thing to just sit with. And I think that yeah. you're not supposed to feel good about it. And I think that you're supposed to aspire to feel... Well, I, what, I've, what I'm aspiring to feel is neutral. Is I don't have to feel yeah, good about everything. Yeah, I always everything. focus on feeling less bad or less sad. Like as long like I may not feel good, like happy is a moving target, 
uh, the same way sad is. So if I just focus on being less sad or less hmm. anxious or less the bad things, then I'll uh, by default be more of the good things. Well, what are some of the things that um, you use or that you go to to help you kind of manage that stuff? Um, since October, I've been trying to be like a, at least a little physical every day. So like. I live right by a, a park, so I walk the park. Mm. I had my bike when it was warm, so I'd, there's a metro park by me too, so I could ride my bike like 10 miles a day or like just go for like a two, three-mile walk around the park by me. Um, I invested, instead of buying like a new video game system, I bought myself a rowing machine. Um, and so I do that daily what the and hell are you talking about hold the fuck hold the fuck well because i feel like i feel like wrong machines are something up. that like very rich yeah very rich people do it i feel like i'm the brokest person on the wrong machine um <laughs> and it's a good it's a good exercise what wait but why a rowing machine what what would it so what was it about a rowing machine that you were like you know what, uh, I, I, want saw, that, I want that ps5 i saw but i, I saw jordan temple pack. I saw Jordan Temple have one and oh, Janelle shit. James, and I was like, oh, that seems like fit people. And then I'm like, they're also successful people, and you see it in uh, like House of Cars, and it seems like, okay, that seems like something that like people who wow. have their shit together do. Shout out to uh, and Jordan so, Temple like, and Janelle James. And so I'll sit there and like, I'll, yeah, I'll like row and like listen to music or like watch some cartoons while I'm rowing to hmm. just kind of pass the time. But, like, I built up from being, like, barely being able to do 10 minutes to, like, I could do, like, an hour. I just, my butt starts hurting after a while. Uh, But, like, I built up that level of endurance. um, Incredible. Like, that feels like a little accomplishment. And then I do, like, a little bit of yoga, too. But doing all those things, when I, a day where I do all of those things without feeling, like, obliged to, my, Mm -hmm. and I get them done, like, you know, before noon or like you know what i'm saying early in the day i my anxiety is super low like i I, mm-hmm. I sleep better like i feel i'm of able course. to like but in the days where i'm like oh, i don't want to do or i cut off different parts of it i'll feel a little blah um but it's definitely been so, those just those little tasks give me a sense of like oh i did something today in the middle of a pandemic when you're not you feel like you're not doing anything um i've just made a point of just trying to do a little bit of something yeah. First of all, that's fantastic, man. That's that's really incredible. I I gotta I gotta give you mad props for that, man. So, row 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 Thanks. your boat gently to these dreams. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? Um, yeah. But also Booyah. the days that you don't want to do it, you know, and you feel a little bleh. That's yeah. fine. You know, like let the, I, I, sometimes I feel yeah, like yeah. those there's value to stopping there's value to giving oneself a break or the moment to just fucking sit you know and first of all that sounds great yeah. you're, you're staying active and uh and i mean that to sit because you are staying active right i don't think it's like sedentary or constantly yeah. active it's like that balance kind of shit um that's incredible Ramon. No, that's a lot of balance, shit man. i wasn't i had Thanks, no idea man. about um, and that so, and that and that's what i did the tail end of like in the beginning of the pandemic, I just I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, Cause like, now let's talk about my that. Calendar got wiped, which like I said, okay, 
Well, like, okay, here's my like, question for you. I, then. You know, how about this, real quick? What? Okay, so from pandemic to rowing, from beginning of pandemic to rowing machine, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. I'm curious yeah. about like if 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 the rowing machine is the climax of this story of you making the decision. You know, the hero's got to get a rowing machine. What the fuck happened to to yeah. to take you up through that loop? All right, so. Um, like we touched on just operating on the margins. It's not a lot of like security and not a lot of stability, not a lot of shit you can count on. You're kind of always chasing it. So I had finally gotten a, a balance of after living in LA and being sad for a couple years, um, I moved back to Cleveland in the beginning of 2019 and I had hit a groove of like, I'd be home for a week or two. Mm-hmm. I'd be in New York or LA for a period of, of stretch, or I would be like DIY touring or like uh, the few clubs that would fuck with me. But you were I'd making be it work. Working them. So, like, very, I was making it work. So, I was everywhere I wanted to be. If, you know, I was doing things on my terms, even if I didn't have the financial equity, I was still working. I was still building and it took the you act. a long time still, to get to that you know, place, too. Like, you, this is all self made as well. Yeah, and so like you know, uh, um, so then I had gotten my calendar, was keeping it pretty full. Um, I was on the road in uh, mid March. I was supposed to go to Chicago, and then I had like a, at least like a weekend or two a month through July, and had at that point been trying to book out the rest of summer and fall. Um, and then the pandemic hit, so like all these places start closing, all the gigs start getting canceled. Uh, some of the gigs I had were supposed to be like an album recording. So it was like with a comedy club chain that has a production wing. So they're like, you get a couple weekends of headlining clubs to warm up. And so you, you had like you planned wanted. this whole thing. You basically uh, had a, you had a map, you had an outline and you knew what you were doing. Well, light, lightweight, like that was one of those things that came up. Like they were like, would you be interested in doing an album? I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. I hadn't done one before. Like I did a half hour special, but I didn't do an album when I did it. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I can either do old material and just kind of give that up or do new shit, but I'm still kind of working on it. So I was trying to figure out, I was like, okay, I'll do it. But I was like, I'll figure out what I'm doing in the next burst of mm-hmm. things. And then the pandemic happened, so that got canceled. Um, and uh, But I also at the time had more money than I'm used to having. And when mm-hmm. I say that, I mean like less than $2,500, but I'm usually like, floating on a couple hundred so i was like oh i'll be cool for a bit like you know i live with my dad i don't know you were in a comfortable spot the the minimum and like oh yes and so like i just was like i'll figure it out and then um i i talked to my buddy chris crack um who's a shout out to chris rapper out of chicago and he's he self-distributes and self uh, produces a lot of his own music and albums so I asked, I was like, how do you do that? Um, and he told me the the website, which was like DistroKid, and then that gives you all the shit. And so then I just so kind of broke did it the down homework. And I, yeah, and so I saw, I saw the way to do it and like getting, putting your shit on this thing gets it in each of these online mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. platforms. Right, right. And then, um, so getting to that point, it's like, okay, well, now I just need to have the track. So I had a bunch of old video on my laptop from, like, sets of comedy magic or sets mm. of comedy seller or just random shit I shot on my phone or, like, here or there. And I just 
sat and like time stamped it, clipped it, tracked it out. So I made an album. So I made my own mm. just to like it's all old shit that like I didn't really do anymore. Yeah. Um I don't you know what I'm saying? So I put that out and then I submitted it to satellite radio and that was it. So that was like the thing I did in the very beginning of the pandemic, which was all right, I'm gonna try to still be productive. And like I put it out and then like that was it for mm. till October. Uh <laughs> In the in the sense of like productive for like professional productivity. Now outside that, I mean, that's of that, still uh, admirable, joy. man. That's that sounds. I don't know if that does yeah. or doesn't sound like a lot to you, but it sounds like you 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 had a plan. You followed it through. It was it was very it was very attainable and achievable for anybody, but it does take a little follow through, mm -hmm. and it's a bunch of annoying minutia. So there's people like who can't do minutia. And I'm just like, well, okay, I'll just, I ain't doing nothing else. So I hate minutia so like much, I call it Steve Minutia. Okay, that's the dumbest joke I've ever said <laughs> in my life. Continue. Um, and so then, like, towards the end of April, I was talking to Joyelle Johnson, and she was like, you filed for the pandemic assistance. I was like, no, Joelle I got Johnson. a little more money still left from, like, she was like, oh, no, you should file it. They're giving extra money, and, like, you don't know when these clubs are going to open back up. And I'm like... Yeah, that's a good point because, like, I, all my shit was getting canceled. Like, the last club I had was Dr. Grins in Grand Rapids. Dr. Grins, yes. End of July. I was headlining for the first time, and I booked that in August of 2019. So almost Oof. a year before that is when I booked that gig. Right. Let's take a let's take and a little so, moment right now. I just want to acknowledge a couple of um, realities because yeah. you – you you don't have representation? No. So you're doing all this yourself. Let us just take a moment to to sit with that. I mean, for my listeners, <laughs> you know, and for my friend Ramon to just take a moment and acknowledge like you did so much shit by yourself. Now, this is also like, and you're you're shouting out a lot of people who have who do the same. You know, you're yeah. you're um a self-starter. A lot of people who are in this career have to be, um, you know, and sometimes you have to get to the place, even if you're not that, where you just are because you have to do what you mm -hmm. have to do and you figure out a way for it to work for you. And so that's, that's pretty, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still impressed, I guess. I, that's why I keep Thanks, being man. like, this is, this sounds like a lot. Like I'm like some days, <laughs> you know, I'm like, this is a shit. Yeah. You had like, I mean, these, it, these it, clubs, can, it you, can be a lot. It's a lot if you do if you look at it all uh, retrospectively, but like I said, I just try to do a little bit every day, and so it's and like this day I just bothered clubs. This day I did something else. This other day I ain't do shit, but like chill and recharge and like maybe eat with my family or go do some shit. You know, you um, had a system that worked for you and it was working for you. Yeah, it was um, yielding so results. Jo Joelle talked me into filing for the pandemic assistance, so I filed for that back to, like, mid-March, mm. which is, like, the last weekend I worked, mm -hmm. and I got approved in the back pay all the way to then, so I got, like, a big-ass, like, lump sum of money, so, nice. like, I bought, I, I bought a car off of, off of Facebook Marketplace. Uh, so I this bought, is about this is about how far into the pandemic that we're talking about. Uh, May, beginning of May, June ish. May, June, two thousand twenty. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, so a couple. So basically, like worked, halfway through the, the stuff was getting canceled. Yeah. 
All right. And wow. so what what I was getting paid, the $600 pandemic assistance uh, was basically just a feature weekend every week. That's all. That's all. Like, without having to buy a plane ticket to go get it, without having <laughs> to eat to stay. You know what I'm saying? Like it was that no, without I've, the I've overhead. Yes. Yes. But it's it's it, what I saw is like, oh, this is if everything's clicking. If I'm functioning like, to, you know, there's dudes who who live off of just featuring or who you know get stuck yes. there, who headline in these smaller clubs or like. This is the subsistence. Like that's the minimum amount you should be able to make is what the government is giving you right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I bought, um, I bought a PA system, speakers, a mic, uh, uh, an adapter, so I could power everything from my car. Uh, I got a permit to do a show at the park Whoa. by me, just because I'm like. I don't like all the all the places that I struggled to get consideration for before the pandemic either closed or reopened with even more stringent biases and, and preferences. Mm. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the margins I operated on got even smaller if non-existent. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like the places that gave me value or projected, or you know what I'm saying, like dictated my value, no longer exist or fuck with me. I still have value, but it's like it's disconnected from that. So right. like, well, the, the, the narratives have all changed and shit. So, but it still affects you economically <laughs> and uh, yeah, philosophically, and so, yeah, professionally, and basically. So yeah, in a lot of different spaces. So it's like okay, I'm uncomfortable doing shows inside. All the science says that, like, the environment that's a super spreader for, for the virus, which is, cold, you know, closed environment, low ceilings, all the shit that makes comedy perfect, like a yes, nice, yes, perfect comedy exactly. show, is the worst for live performance. Um, right. uh, if I can do a show outside, safer. everyone's can social distance, boop, boop, boop. So I over... From like May through October, I was doing my park show on Sundays and I would use my pandemic assistance as my budget. So I gave everyone $10 for coming out and doing the park show, just gas money, whatever. And then that that wound up getting like a dude who runs the arts council in Lorraine came. Mm. They have like a back parking lot with like cool murals and shit. So I started doing shows there on Friday. So I had two shows a week. Fridays, I'm giving the closer $75. I'm giving the support spots 25 bucks. And all, again, that, this is my pandemic budget. So, like, is money I would don't deserve, quote, unquote, whatever. If you look at it, I don't, I feel weird when people are like, what do you do with your money? Uh, okay. That's, so me, that's what I decided to do. This is, I mean, you're doing... <laughs> you're small business and your ass off, bruh. Like you took this pandemic assistance and you have put it towards creation, community building, you know, like all of these, all of these things, you know, personal and yeah. betterment, all of the shit that is supposed to, when people talk about what is a person supposed to do with this money, right? The world's kind of on pause in a sense, even though shit's falling apart and time is still going. But 
you, it just sounds like, I, I, I think that you're setting a very good example about how this money can be used. You're almost like um, a Republican nightmare because you, <laughs> yeah. you're getting this money and then you're doing the shit that they think that, you know, people like you can't do. Um, and then you, so it's kind of like, wait a minute, one of them is doing what I say you should do sort of a thing. Yeah. Um, but like, so that's that what I uncomfortable, did Ramon? over a, a little, but it's whatever. No, um, no, no, I want to talk about it now. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the other thing is like, as soon as I did the first park show, I had like 15 dudes I'd never met before. Hey, hit me up like, Hey, I saw you got a cool show. Can I do it sometime? I'm like, I don't know who you are. Uh, but that reminded hmm. me like not everyone's wired to feel that entitled to access. So I sat mm. and I emailed everyone. I was like, yo, I'm doing this show. It's out here. It's a little far, but I'll give you 10 bucks for gas. You're more than welcome. If you want to come, if you want carpool, just let me know. Boom. Just to make everyone know they're welcome. Um, and what, an, what, a, what a, It's a very great reaction to that. That's a great and, reaction and, to that. Well, the other thing is because, like, you know, I could have just easily just not paid people. But, like, the reason none of us get paid is because no no one pays us. Because nobody like, values when, what we do. Yeah, so it's like I'm at least going to – I'm going to build a model, a free model for a show for the audience. I took donations, and then I sold, like, shirts through, like, uh, that below-the-collar website that Funch has set up uh, for comics to have, like, uh, on-demand storefronts for shirts. Um, huh. And so between that – uh, the donations, I would make back what I was paying people and make like a little bit extra. You know what I'm this saying? So incredible. like over the cor- over the course of the summer, I paid for everything I own, like all the equipment and shit I bought, and paid everyone. And then like I had a couple like people give me like a bigger batch of money, which like made me make money. Um, but like. Uh, uh, the model I built is um, anyone could do it. Now you own the means of production. And now it's like how, what I'm doing in Lorraine is trying to figure out how I can build it out to eventually have a French festival on the scale of Edinburgh in my hometown. Because all the work I did in Cleveland for all those years, bringing people out, doing festivals, all shit, none of that. I had no equity from any of that. All the businesses that made money, all the all the property values that went up, none of that benefited me. Uh, but if I could do that same thing in Lorraine, uh, that economic boost would uh, be something that I would be very proud of. You know what I'm saying? So just shifting yeah. the way... Shifting the, the doing the same work, but trying to do it in a way where I'm maintaining something like that's emotional equity for me is wow. like, even if I'm not wow. making a bunch of money off of this shit, it like bringing out 50 to 100 people to Lorraine to this weird show at this behind this art council on Friday is valuable to me in a very weird way. Wow. Now this is this is this is a lot of deep things are coming up here, Ramon. Yeah. Um, and I want to, you know, my crack earlier was really about um, what I was hoping to try to imply or to say is that you have really created something 
here, you know, and that you've put this money to not just good use, but incredible use. And the way that you've kind of flipped it around and turned it into almost a community project, you know, it's an interesting thing because you said it's emotional equity for you, you know, just being able to, because like, even yeah. when you talked about this guy, these guys who were reaching out who you've never heard of and your response to, you know what, not everybody feels that entitled is to make it public that you have this show to people that you know you want to come do it, but wouldn't ask because of who they are, you know, yeah. or so that's, it's just interesting ass reactions. And I guess the thing here is that also it's a, it's a, it's a lesson about, or what it brings up for me philosophically is what is valuable. What does it mean for something to mm -hmm. have value? Because ostensibly the city of Lorraine has had no value to anyone since the 90s. Like the, uh, according to the Opportunity Atlas, the census did, the average adult income for where I grew up was $27,000. So people write off Lorraine in this really weird and specific way. But there's still, it's known as the international city because all those industries went and recruited people from other countries to come and crush American wages and work in these factories. <laughs> so the wow. city... The city is home to over like a hundred and some odd ethnic, like cultural groups. And at one point, each of these cultural groups had their own like a cultural, like this is the Slovenian home and this is the Puerto Rican home and this is the Mexican mutual. Every cultural group had their own. And now there's only like two left. Uh, but still, those groups are still represented by the people who live here. There's just no hub for it and so it's still rich in people but mm -hmm, people have mm -hmm. no value within capital <laughs> within capitalism but we still have value to ourselves and to each other well you know and i and because i even feel like a hesitance on your part to talk about money you know just like even just the the money that this the what is it the stemming right i believe that's what the kids call it like yeah. you have a little bit of a hesitance to talk about even even like because of this, the idea of money, again, value, against what is valuable to you, that's what you've done. You've taken it and put it into what is valuable to yeah. you, which I think is what is what anybody is supposed to do. But, of course, what is valuable to yeah, man. people is a whole different matter. Um, well, Ramon, look, yeah. this is, uh, you know, I'm going to let you run because I got to run. Uh, well, actually, I'm not going to run. I'm going to sit here and contemplate everything that you said. Um, you, Probably. however, <laughs> you're probably going to take a walk and a bike ride and who knows what the hell you're going to do. Um, and I guess oh, what I, I wanted, know. yeah, I but guess I what did, I wanted to say, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I what? did, I did want to finish up and, and say the, 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 the tail end result of that. Of what's going on and what you've in created. April on my album. Oh yes. Yeah. Is it, is it. You know, I made the album, I submitted it to series, and it took months, but they re they replied, and they're like, three of our stations added six of your tracks to our catalog. Incredible. So what that means is they, it doesn't mean they're going to play them, but they have, three three stations have these six tracks, and they they can play them at any time. Whether they do or not is out of my control. Um, but Yeah, but you've I, taken the so steps I got that to email put it there. In, I got that email in like July or August. 
and I didn't see I didn't see any money until December, the the week mm-hmm. that the stimulus shit ended. Like it lapsed because they didn't renew it in time, and then people weren't sure if they were gonna keep it. Uh, I got my first payout for the sound exchange, and because I had to do it myself, and I used the distro kid thing where you could pick your own record label and I put yes. accidental comedy as the record label. Mm-hmm. So you, I you get on the masters the and your artist artist. residual and the masters. So I get both sides of this. It winds up being just under $70 every time it gets played <laughs> and they play most, they play them at least once a week. So I wind up getting like, I just got my third one and I'm like, yo, I'm about to buy some property. Uh, <laughs> I bought this piece of art with my second one. I was noticing this piece of art. I right bought there. this piece of art with my second one. I with the first one, I put uh, money on like Robin Hood and started investing, but it was making oh, me shit. so anxious and stressed out. I spent that. I spent less than that on this piece of art, and I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna buy art because this at least makes me feel good when I look at it. Wow. Uh, and then these are I got these. My buddy Rob Ward, uh, his little. I think she's like six or seven. She was doing a little yard sale where she was paint selling her paintings, and so I was like, "How much?" He he was like ten dollars. I just sent him like, you know, a couple like more than that, and she gave me these two paintings. <laughs> which real dope. Uh, Those are great. So Those I'm are great. like, "All right, I can do." It. And but I also like I remember the you know I'm sure you do too the first people who tried to pay you money to do comedy and you're like, "Oh no, mm. I don't. I'm good." Or you're like, "Oh, can I get?" hundred dollars to feature yes. like the va- the improper valuation of ourselves like bro when i opened the first check and it was for more than any comedy club has ever paid me to do comedy mm-hmm. and the realization that it's from 10 minutes of material i don't want to do anymore <laughs> is fucking wild amazing so but doing the work to get that shit and then maintaining the equity in its monetization until satellite radio stops existing, I'll make money just passively. It may not be a lot, but it'll be like random good amount of money. Which has made me so much less stressed out. I don't have to chase gigs anymore. Like I'm more comfortable saying no to shit because I know I can pay like when... Mm. My dad, my dad texted me the water heater uh, blue. He's like, I gotta go buy a new one tomorrow. I was like, What's your Zell, bro? And I just zelled him the money for the water heater okay, from bro, now you're comedy. As hell. Bro, I've never, I've never felt that good in my life. Uh, but <laughs> it's like doing that little bit of work that was annoying as fuck, and it was minutia. And you're like, oh, I don't want to fucking, uh, I don't want to do this. Listening to yourself and fucking trying to feel okay this could be a joke this could this could be a d- d- all that annoying shit now i i woke up to money the other day i was like this is great i got my tax money <laughs> or i got the stimulus i got the stimulus a couple days and then i was like, all right cool and then i went and worked the weekend with aida and i deposited that money and then i got sound exchange money and i'm like baby we balling it's great amazing uh, amazing I ramon so so you've so the lesson here, in a sense, is do the work um, and know your worth. But of course, if you do the work, you always know your worth and know what is valuable. Yeah, to you. but it's hard to get other people to. It's hard to get other people to acknowledge that worth. And you know, like 
a lot of times uh, I feel advocating for myself, I mm-hmm. wind up coming across as like, <sighs> to like, I remember specifically I had a booker who was like, I had a comic who was taking me to open for them. It was just going to be a two person show. When they asked me to do it, I immediately emailed the club and was like, hey, I see you don't have the wraparound dates booked. If I could do those, cool. I have a half hour special. I have a uh, HBO Latino special. Here's my website. Boom. No response. I follow up. No response. I follow up. No response. Uh, They finally respond back like, oh, those dates are booked. I'm like, yeah, two months later. But like when I emailed you initially, they weren't. Then the comic (laughs) canceled. So I emailed and I'm like, hey, I can fill in if you there. And immediately they're like, oh, we booked someone already. I'm all right, cool. I just, you haven't responded. Am I doing the whole week? And what's going on? And the lady was like, uh, I get a lot of emails. I don't have time to like, I've been going to like, I had a lot of personal things. I don't have time to respond to every email. And it took all my energy to be like, to not be like, bitch, that's your job. Like, <laughs> and not a gender, but it's just the, like, you're the way you're acting. Like, oh, I don't have time. It's like, that's your job. If you're the booker of a club, your job is to respond to people's fucking booking requests. And I'd rather get, mm-hmm. a, oh, sorry, I don't have anything for you right now. So I know to just keep it moving versus like no response. And I'm like, am I crazy? I'm not no, irrational. No, but that's the thing I is have... that we, we've been taught to accept that we, when it comes to the comedy industry, um, that comedians are at the bottom, <laughs> you know, unless you're yeah. already famous. Yeah. And so now I have the back end information for all the streaming sites. So I can look and see like, oh, I got X amount of listeners in Chicago. I could probably sell out like a one nighter on like a decent time. Like, you know what I'm saying? So like now I can be specific and picky about how I go do shit. And not feel the way you the way you felt to Erie where like we were bonding, but like you were kind of. Not miserable doing the job, but you're not having the most fun. It doesn't feel like ideal barren time when you're being the most barren. Does that make sense? Yeah, but back then I also, I now understand a lot about myself today that I did not know back then. But I, but your read on, on my reaction is very accurate, I think. And it's a, it's a, yeah, that's why I got to sit here after I get off with you and be like, "Damn, I did do that." Yeah, uh, so you could so being able to change the context with which you engage is what I like. Maintaining equity and changing the context is what I've mostly been focused on during the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic is like how to keep doing a little bit every day and now make moves in like a, a more um, mindful mm-hmm. way. Um, that continues to like build up my emotional equity too, because it's not just financial shit, but it's like the financial shit frees you up to feel emotions. Yes. Well, let me put this last thing to you too. Um, well, actually, let me just say to you right now that this is a lot of great shit. First, you know, I'm like you. Yeah, you're making money moves, as they say, and. Uh, with that in mind, you know, um, rise and grind TikTok would be super proud of me. <laughs> well, that was what I was going to ask about. Any shout outs you want to give to yourself, to others before I let you go? Where can people check you out? Where should they check you out? And what do you want people to check out? Um, uh, check my website is blazerramon.com. That's my social on everything too. It has my 
albums, has my podcasts uh, I do, um, which is called Pre-Baked. I pretty much just cannabis sommelier a strain of weed and match it to the characteristics of my guest. And then we just smoke <laughs> and chat. Um, okay. I, in an effort, in an effort to continue just taking shots at getting stuff added to serious, I made an album of greatest hits from the podcast and put that up and submitted that. So if anything tracks out, my guests will make money and I'll oh. make money, uh, on, which is ridiculous. real cool to me. Um, but I'm going to steal that idea. Uh, yeah. So that, and then I've also been slowly helping other comics go through the DIY album process. Mm. And like some people I've helped have been like, have decided to go, like they got labels interested in do releasing their shit. So they went with mm-hmm. that and the business dynamics were way better because some labels do it right where they'll hire a PR firm, which I tried to hire a PR firm for this thing I did. And mm-hmm. I learned it's a, uh, it's like 1800 a month. Mm-hmm. And a minimum Depending. of like two to three months per project. Yeah, so need, it's like, like, oh, this is space. an expensive thing. So understanding the what you get out of a benefit, uh, relationship with the label versus what you can expect without one is like an important thing. But being able to help people see the blueprint or if they hit that minutia where they can't do shit, I'm able to help them. And then I get like a small amount of their rights ownership on the back end, which is will still allow them to get more money than they would if they went with the late you know what i'm saying like you can do it yourself and keep everything or i'll help you and keep a little so just doing that to help people i fuck with yeah to get this same like the 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 stress of money like it just it feels like i just gave myself universal basic income is what it feels Mm. like uh, hmm. which is which is wild. <laughs> but I'm sure you feel like that sometimes when you open a residual check, you're like, oh, but what's this residual check No, from? no, no, no. But Ramon, that, you misunderstand that because the thing is, is that you have done all this work. You're not sitting there doing nothing. You're not getting paid for existing, if you will, uh, and then being given this money to, I mean, that's what the stimulus is, where it's just kind of like, hey, citizen, sorry about the state of the world. Here's something to kind of help you get through mm-hmm. this fucking whatever the fuck. But other than that, you are doing and have done a lot of, do not discount the hours that you have put in. And then you're going to voluntarily tell other people how you did it. That's a lot of shit. Ramon, because mm-hmm. that like nothing. you you said you said uh, uncomfortable. T- well, you 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 brought up uncomfortable talking about money. I'm trying to get less uncomfortable talking about the like. I think it's important we all understand that we don't get like looking at everything as a work stoppage instead of oh I'm out of work and trying to figure out because like the pay scale for shit like I. The, uh, the reason I was able to go work with Aida is because I had plane voucher or flight vouchers from flights I had canceled because of the pandemic, and I had hotel vouchers because of rooms I lost. But if I had to come out of pocket for those two things, I would have lost money going to go work for the weekend. And lo- like tax-wise, I did lose money. So it's like a, it's a weird uh, duality to be like, oh, I, I want to go back to work. But like, yeah. it's important to know that shit so that well, you can be like, a millionaire in nah. a little bit too. 
this is the other thing. Like you, the reason that you know all of this shit is because you have firsthand had a lot of experience with it and made a lot of different decisions. So it's kind of like, again, this is all earned through experience. I guess I just want to remind you that you haven't done nothing. I feel like that's what I'm insecure about. Is you walking it away feel, here? Well, if, if yeah, it feels like if it feels like nothing at times, but then like like I just like I moved in my my dad's house. I'd been in my childhood bedroom. I lived in every bedroom upstairs at some point. So <laughs> I felt very like pressed up. I had my rowing machine in there. I had all my shit. So I was like, can I move downstairs to the living room, dining room, and take that over? Um, and so I slowly, like my dad, like there was dust in here from like the early two thousands, uh, just cause like the rooms don't get used that much. Uh, and so now I got like plenty of space. I was able to put like all my little like knickknacks and memories up. So like I can look pa walk past like, oh yeah, I remember that festival or, oh yeah, I remember that picture with my friends or this. Like, I have a little uh, a mm. yarmulke from Eric Andre's birthday party because I got to go to that when I was in L.A. And, like, hang out. I hung out with, like, homies I met in New York. And, like, just being in this other city, like, at this place I don't belong. Like, this is cool. And then, like, a little uh, garbage pin pail from, like, a show I did in Chicago that Lisa Traeger used to run from, like, so 2009. Like, and it sounds so it's like, like you, you've gotten to a place where you're kind of comfortable and so with that comes thinking about, well, then what brings me joy? You've been chasing comfort, just feeling okay, feeling neutral. Well, no, I've been avoiding, been avoiding comfort because it's like, why hmm. am I going to get comfortable in poverty or comfortable without? Like, I texted my nephews and niece earlier. I'm like, hey, I'm like, how you doing? Like, do you want anything? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, do you need anything? I'm like, because a need is different from a want. I'm like, I feel like maybe you don't want, you've trained yourself to not want things because you know that way you don't feel like le less than because you're going without. Mm. And my nephew was like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, well, just figure out, like, just want, like, whatever you want, I got you. And, like, my niece was like, hmm. I, I want, like, a burger and, like, some edibles because I don't like smoking. I was like, I got you. She was like, which one? I was like, both. <laughs> uh, but it's like edible burger. No, being able to being able to do that versus like avoiding hanging out with them because I can't feed y'all because it's expensive to feed three kids. <sighs> like I remember, there'd be times when I was living with them, I would go take them to eat, and they would eat, and I wouldn't because I'm like, well, that's like fifteen less dollars if I don't eat. Oh man, man, and man, like man. making yeah. those sorts of decisions uh, without thinking of it. You know what I'm saying? Yes, um, I know exactly what you're saying. It, it's a weird mindset to, it's a weird mindset to be in. So I understand like how you are kind of reflexively mirroring what you felt when you were a kid as you're a parent, but like yes. your circumstances is completely different. Like when you were stuck at home and you felt unsafe inside and outside, like your kids are stuck at home and they may feel unsafe outside, but they feel safe inside. But you're used to inside feeling unsafe. So you're like, is this unsafe? Because I'm unsafe. I don't know. Whatever. Well, I'm just going to read that... all these books behind me. Uh... Well, <laughs> well, that's the thing. And this is what I've been working on. And I'll leave. And I'll leave you with this. There's one thing between mm -hmm. understanding that, right? <laughs> understanding that. And understanding that, you know, like I know it, 
but I don't know it. And what I mean yeah. by that is I get yeah. that intellectually, I get that logistically, but that doesn't mean that I feel that in my very bones, my nerves. And so I have been, mm -hmm. you know, in my physical body, you can understand that you are safe, that the past is over. But if your very body does not, then you can take in all kinds of information, but Don't the matter. shit's going to get shook, shook, shook out because there's nowhere for it to go because yeah. it's already occupied by all this other, what I am understanding, trauma shit for myself, right? So yeah. being a parent, luckily mm -hmm. for me, has helped me move a lot of that stuff or at least become aware of it. Mm. I was aware of these things yeah, yeah, yeah. in all these different ways, but that doesn't mean I understood how they made me function. It didn't mean that I understood that mm. because these decisions that you make, these instincts that you follow seem natural. They are natural. And then it takes a long time to recognize like, oh, wait, this thing that I think is second nature to me is just me being afraid. It's just me making a decision out of fear. Mm -hmm. What if I don't do that? Out of survival. And Yes, out of survival, out of fear, out of whatever the crap you might be feeling that doesn't serve you, if you will, that that mm -hmm. negates you, self-invalidation that you got from someone else, you know, or whatever, the world. Yeah. So having to – because that's what, like, the intellectual ideas of, like, decolonization and self-actualization, that's what it is. It's all about learning how to be in your body. But, of course, when you do that, it's mm -hmm. you don't know how much shit has been programmed. You don't know how much shit they have put into how much our been heads. programmed and how much how much how much your body has been politicized. So oh, like yes. no matter what I no matter what we talk about of when we're on stage, there's a preconceived notion that it is going to be discomforting to someone in the crowd that yes. that club is finds more value in them drinking and buying wings than in putting us on stage like that it's easier to put someone who's partially on the plate and don't affect the palate like that even though neither of us may even not even affect the palate all like that it's such a yes. weird um it is and that's the thing where it's like and I, and with my beginning of stand-up i went on stage with that knowledge you know like i went on stage knowing that this audience had these ideas about me had expectations of me. And so from the very, very beginning, I was always aware that my first joke was, you guys think I'm a, you know, like you, you probably looking at me and you're thinking, but I'm a, yes, exactly. You know, I'm the kind of, and that's the thing where it's like, I'm still writing these jokes. I was actually talking to Aparna about this the other day too, about in the mainstream clubs, especially when we came up, there is an element of white gaze that you have to deal with. And so when you're coming up, Man, you yeah. are constantly thinking about how to present yourself in joke form to a majority white people audience. Now that is changed, you know, like uh, the quote unquote mainstream rooms aren't necessarily like that anymore. That's always shifting. And I think that's going to be very different. after The this rooms pandemic. aren't, but the bookers mindset still is. Yeah, especially if their mindsets are from the, the 80s yeah. or 90s, <laughs> you know, but we'll get into that on yeah. the next podcast. Uh, and with that, Ramon. Yeah, man. No, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. Uh, what is your website again? BlazerRamon.com. Uh, yeah, BlazerRamon.com. 
check out Ramon on check out Ramon Rivas's um, Comedy Central presents on Paramount Plus, and also uh, uh, Paramount check out Plus. His, I'm on HBO Max. HBO, on HBO Max, I'm on his, Netflix. Uh, is it Entrenos? Is that what I'm it was? On Amazon Prime. His Amazon Primes. His yeah, Entrenos episode four. Do you remember? Uh, was it a two parter? Amazon Prime. Th- that episode. Uh, Entrenos. Yes. No, they have uh, several specials. Like, they also produced Marlena. Rodriguez, yes. There's a lot of people I know that have done those. Um, Um, Yeah, and it's weird because it's it's an outside production company that sells it to HBO, so it's not HBO. So it's like a weird, like... It's uh, HBO Latino. Layer of... Well, that that insular layer is is what justifies you getting way less money. Uh, <laughs> oh, 